The first thing he said was the kid needs a lot of work. But why you trade up to get him to wait on? I don't believe in the system, the passing system that they have in the Big 12. Guys have not been successful with that transition to the NFL. So those were the words of our lovely Chris Carter, one of the best to ever do it in the wide receiver position, talking about Patrick Mahomes when he was first drafted. Now that was pre-draft, slightly after, I believe, of the draft. And the reason why I bring this up is because now, as we can all tell, the Chiefs are now headed to their second straight Super Bowl in just four seasons with this guy. Okay. So how do they do it? How is this possible? And it all starts, one, regardless of whether, because let's let's be honest, a lot of the times, first round quarterbacks are kind of gambles, right? For every one star, superstar, you know, quarterback, there's 10 or 12 busts after that. So, really, when it comes down to it is why is that the most highly touted college quarterbacks either flop or they succeed? And it comes down to really around three things. It comes down to personnel. It comes down to their personality. And it comes down to their ability slash mentality. Okay, that's really what it comes down to. And not only that, the Chiefs made a lot of moves before and even after they figured out that Mahomes was their guy. Going back to 2013, Coach Andy Reid was hired. And then in that exact same year, Travis Kelsey was drafted. They then brought in Daniel Sorensen off a free agency. In 2014, Mitchell Schwartz was drafted in 2016, along with defensive tackle Chris Jones, Demarcus Robinson, as well as Tyreek Hill. Okay, those were all in the same draft class in 2016 that were all picked by the Chiefs. Then in 2017, they get their guy, Patty Mahomes. Okay, so already, and I'm not saying that Andy Reid is a wizard. But you could definitely tell that in 2016, with how wide receiver heavy they went, that they've had their eyes on this guy for a long time. Okay? And so what did they do? Yeah, he's got a lot of raw talent. Yeah, he's got a lot of raw, you know, athletic ability. But they put a team around him before he was even there. They basically had built the car and they were waiting for the engine to get in there. Okay. Then in 2017, they continue to add more weapons around this young kid that whether he flops or whether he succeeds, either way, the team is in a fantastic position with a very experienced head coach and an incredible wide receiving core. They then get Harrison Butker in 2017. And then Brett Veach is hired as the GM in 2017. They figured out, hey, we've got something with this kid. So they bring in 
Sammy Watkins in 2018. Once again, adding another weapon to a very talented quarterback. In 2019, they brought in Tyron Matthew, as well as Brashad Breeland, Frank Clark. And guess what? They drafted another wide receiver to help out with their quarterback in McCole Hardman. And then last but not least in this last draft, they called this guy and asked, who do you want in the draft? And he said, I want Clyde Edward Hilaire. Boom. Just like that. We have the most explosive offense in NFL history. Now, the reason why we're seeing this type of success is one, not only because of the ability of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is a, he's a fucking alien. Okay. He can just, he's a wizard, right? I didn't know that Hogwarts gave out scholarships for football. I thought that shit was just Quidditch. He's a fucking wizard, right? And not only that, you have players that complement his play style, even dating back to the Big 12, where he came from, right? He was a gunslinger, okay? Everybody knows the battle that him and, you know, Baker Mayfield had. It was absolutely ridiculous in yardage and touchdowns, right? But all throughout his collegiate career that we really saw at Texas Tech, we saw that this kid has got a fucking bazooka for an arm. So what did they do? They went out and got somebody that can stretch the fucking field that can most benefit from his play style. We're going to have Patrick Mahomes stay Patrick Mahomes, but now we're just going to make that transition into the NFL even easier because now he's got targets to throw to. And not only incredibly talented targets to throw to, guys that stretch the field, both on the sidelines, and you've got a tight end who's pretty much the utility, who can either block, or he's always on post routes down the middle of the field. So there's always that question, right, as to whether a quarterback can transition to the NFL, and it takes... You know the saying, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes the right group of people to make it work. Okay. A lot of it is up to the individual. Absolutely. Whatever they can do to be successful, they better be doing it with everything that they've got. Okay. And the other half that has to meet in the middle is where... The personnel, as well as the teammates, complement each other, okay? That's how you do a successful rebuild that gets you to two straight Super Bowl appearances, right? We're seeing baby goat Patrick Mahomes versus the goat in Tom Brady. Right? And it was done in a matter of only, since Andy Reid took over in 2013, it has taken them seven, if you count this year in 2021, and it's taken them eight years. Right, Like I said, they went from, the Chiefs were struggling with mediocrity, they were good in the 70s and 80s, they've had a series of limbo, even though they had Alex Smith. 
But guess what? Alex Smith did a lot of work with Patrick Mahomes in that mentoring. Okay? I'm not trying to compare the Chiefs to the Dolphins. I'm not trying to say that Patrick Mahomes is Tua and Tua is a baby Patrick Mahomes. He just needs the weapons. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? Don't get that twisted. Right? Because I got a lot of hate mail for that. Which, by the way, this upcoming Friday, get ready for the uh, get ready for the hate mail episode. That's gonna be fun. I'm excited. Um, but the only thing I'm saying is that just like the Chiefs, the Dolphins made the moves to go after the quarterback that they had strong feelings for. For fuck's sake, we tanked for this guy for two years, right? The Chiefs traded up to move up to ten so they could grab their guy. And the Finns went 5-11 and 11 and secured the 5th overall pick. But not only that, we also traded a lot of our players away to be in the position that we could be in to where even if he did fall in the draft, we would be okay. Right? And not only that, with the total rebuild, we got rid of what was... We got rid of what wasn't working and we decided to start from the ground up. Not too bad. Not too bad. Okay. Now, going back to it, right? Going back to Tua and can he make this transition to the NFL? Honest to God, his resume speaks for itself. Okay. If you don't know the kid's college stats, if you don't know the kid's college accolades, I don't know where you've been. Okay. This guy has been the most touted quarterback in the NFL, or, excuse me, in the NCAA. You know, except for the upcoming draft class of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. I don't know what is it with Ohio State having one to two year starters. I remember the last, like, three to four year starter that they had in, like, Troy Smith back in, like, 2009. I loved Troy Smith. He was great. But really, when you look at it, not only does his resume speak for itself, but he's also coming off of a massive career-threatening injury. Miami knew all of this shit, okay? And the Chiefs knew that the competition of the Big 12 is not... And and, and I don't want to say that the Big 12 is easy, but it's not exactly the SEC. Tell me the last time you can remember a college champion... Right, And I'm not talking like a Fiesta or a Sugar Bowl or a fucking PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. I'm talking a national title that was won by a Big 12 team. It's been a very long time. okay. And I'm not saying that that division is void of talent. What I'm saying is, because obviously Patrick Mahomes has come out of there. Baker Mayfield has come out of there. Kyler Murray has come out of there. I'm not saying that it's void of talent. What I'm saying is that on paper and on the field and on the gridiron, par for par, the SEC is the hardest and the most competitive division in NCAA. Period. Okay? Period. Bar none. It's always been. Whether it was Saban's Tide... Whether it was Gus Malzahn's Tigers, War Eagle, I still don't understand the fucking difference between those two. Whether it was Urban Meyer's Gators, 
right? Even Steve Spurrier, right? When he was both a a quarterback as well as a as well as a coach, it's always been the SEC. The SEC has always been the most difficult. Guess which player came out of those? That's right, it's Tua. So Tua had that experience of guys that are NFL ready in the SEC. Okay. Look at this year's draft class. Look at how many guys came out of SEC schools. I'm just saying. Look at it over the last four to five years. How many SEC players are in the NFL? It speaks for itself, right? So Tua is able to play up to the competition. Absolutely. And not only was he able to play up to the competition, he fucking dominated the competition. Why was that? It had to do with personnel. It had to do with staff. And it had to do with the players that were around him. It's like I keep saying the same shit every single fucking episode. Right? So for the transition to star NFL quarterback, it's not easy. Especially transitioning to a totally new offensive scheme and a lack of weapons. And according to Tua Tungabailoa, after his fourth start, he said, and I quote, The transition is easier than I thought it would be. The game has slowed down for me. Okay, he was quoted saying that after his fourth start. Now, the problem is not the personality of the kid. Okay, he's got confidence that could move a fucking mountain, right? If you leave him in a spot to try to push a mountain... He'll still, he'll still probably be there like three weeks later trying to push that motherfucker. Okay? Like, the kid just can't be shaken. Right? So, is it personnel? No. Because we finally have a competent head coach as well as a front office. Right? Brian Flores is beloved by pretty much universally in the NFL. Fans, players, other personnel and other teams as well as his own players, right? B-Flow is is pretty much loved by everybody, right? Because of what he's been able to do here for the Dolphins, right? He didn't go out and make a big splash in free agency just to be in the exact same spot. He continues to do things that are best for the team. Kind of sounds like Andy Reid. Right? So with all of that being said, what does it come down to? Right? Because Tua's not the problem. And I can't wrap my mind around people that say that he is. Right? Does he have his flaws? Absolutely. Right? But take all of that with a grain of salt. He's a rookie. Like I've said thousands of times, he's a rookie. Give him a break. Okay? Give him a break. So it took from Andy Reid being hired. What did I say in 2015? 2013? I gotta check my sources again. Hold on. I'm already losing my mind. It took the Chiefs from hiring coach Andy Reid in 2013 to getting their star QB, the the half a billion dollar man in Patrick Mahomes. 
took him four years. But in that time, they still had a placeholder in Alex Smith, who was playing incredible at the time. And guess what? Not only did Travis Kelsey and Mitchell Schwartz and even, you know, Demarcus Robinson and Tyreek Hill, not only did they help and compliment Alex Smith, they did what was best for Andy Reid and his coaching scheme along with Eric Bieniemy. Okay? It's pretty fucking cut and dry. You get a scheme, you gotta make it fit. Right? So this way, when the next regime, I guess you could call it, took over in 2017 when he was drafted, it was immediate success. There was no waiting. Right? It was night and day. So what I'm saying is, does Tua have the talent? Absolutely. Does he have the athletic ability? Absolutely. Does he have the football IQ? Absolutely. Does he have the pocket presence, the awareness, the accuracy, the strength? Absolutely. What he is missing are those weapons that complement him, as well as the entire team in its entirety for the scheme. He's missing a competent offensive coordinator. That, like I've said, no disrespect to Chan Gailey, but his best years were five to six years ago. I've been on record saying that multiple times. As well as not only that, he's missing weapons that complement him. Okay. So I say all of that to say this. Am I comparing the Dolphins to the Chiefs? No. I'm not doing that. I'm using the Chiefs as the benchmark because... They are, right now, the team to beat. And not only that, the Chiefs and Andy Reid also came together to figure out, okay, we're in the AFC. These are the teams that we have to beat. Let's construct a roster that can do that. Miami's got the building blocks of that, okay? So don't cut your nose off to spite your face already with those quotes of saying, oh, well, the Dolphins have to beat people like the Chiefs, you know, and Patrick Mahomes and and Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson, right? They're all in the AFC. I understand that. But once again, you are putting the cart before the horse, okay? We had a great season. We had a terrific season. But by God, no means do not let that go to your head. Okay, do not sit here and think, hallelujah, the rebuild is over. Jesus is coming back to earth. Right, and the Dolphins are going to the Super Bowl next year. Stop that. Okay, the Chiefs are an anomaly. But I use them purely for the point of comparison and for emphasis. Because of the entire roster construction that they did. Now, B-Flow has built the defense, right? Miami was notoriously one of the worst defenses for the last 10 to 12 years, right? We've had horrific defense. Great run stop, terrible secondary. B-Flow has changed that problem, okay? And look, it's been one year, okay? It's been two years. We're going into year three. Two is going into year two. Is he going to have the sophomore slump? Or is B-Flow going to give him those weapons moving forward? I don't know. We'll see. 
Obviously, you've heard of my mock draft. Obviously, you know my opinions on the upcoming free agents. The wide receiver free agent period is... um. There's a lot of tasty names out there, guys. There's a lot of tasty names. Okay. There's a lot of sleepers out there. Um, not only that, because it's the offseason, the offseason is very interessante. We did see the Packers lose, and Corey Lindsley, the star center, has the possibility of entering free agency. And he's young. I would love to see Miami go after Corey Lindsley. Just pay him whatever the hell he wants. Right? To shore up an all-pro center with a very young offensive line. Dude, the mentoring on that, I'm fucking good with that. Okay? So that's really all I gotta say. I tried to keep myself as dramatic as I possibly could for this episode. But with that being said, now it is time for announcements. We do finally have a Patreon. So, if you are always wondering, because I get this DM a lot. Tyler, you know, how can I, and I hate it when you guys call me Tyler, it's Ty, but how can I help support the podcast? Okay, so there's, let me break it down for you, right? So all of the proceeds of this podcast obviously go to the MS Foundation. So the easiest way to do it now is through Patreon, right? We do have tiered level subs, which I don't remember off the top of my head because I'm still getting with the editing guy on that. But we finally have a Patreon. The Patreon will be listed down below in the description of this episode, as well as um, on our official Instagram page. Which, by the way, follow the Instagram page. Because some big fucking things are coming. If you're into NFL trading guards the way that I am, boy oh boy get ready. Because we're going to start making videos... So you can see my beautiful face as I talk into a mic, right? And not only that, we've got some huge things coming in the trading card department. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Make sure that you are following us on Instagram at finishitpod. If you want to be a Patreon, I would love that. You by no means have to. Just by tuning in and listening, I love you and I'm very appreciative of your existence and I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to bless your ears so with that being said oh one other thing um kind of draft related and I want to hear what you guys have to say about this in the comments Micah Parsons is apparently falling in the draft due to quote unquote character issues in his past so his draft stock is falling kind of like what happened with Laramie Tunsil should Miami Go after Micah Parsons, the honest-to-God best linebacking prospect in this draft? Or should they stick with the game plan? Whatever the game plan is, I'd love to see Zayvon Collins, personally. But if we got Micah Parsons, I'm not exactly going to bitch. Okay? So, let me know down in the comments below. Let me know in the DMs, wherever. Do you think Miami should go after... Micah Parsons as his draft stock gradually falls. But that's going to do it for me. 
Um, shout outs. We do have some shout outs. Let me get my list ready. We do have some shout outs. So, especially for those of you that are into the trading cards, um, get ready for those. So, first of all, huge shout out to what I believe is pronounced Zach Ribe underscore 42. You are the fucking man. I love you. You are absolutely incredible. Okay. That's all I'm going to say um, without absolutely losing my mind um, because goddamn, do I want to talk about it, but I can't because I want to get it on camera first before we do anything. And then also huge shout out to jchuck21 also on ebay for the trading cards that are coming very 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 soon i cannot wait um so get fucking hype okay get fucking hype because those of you that are into trading cards you're about to be fucking blown away okay but that's gonna do it for me that's i think the third time that i've officially ended this session here as per always my name is ty me love you long time thank you for tuning on in god bless and as always go miami dolphins